Living Life Fuller, journeying toward independence through homeschooling, homesteading, and a whole lot more. Welcome to Living Life Fuller, Episode 3, Homeschooling with Different Aged Kids. Our drink of the day is a Driftless Glen Straight Rye Whiskey, single barrel pick from one of our groups here in Iowa. And Driftless Glen is based out of Baraboo, Wisconsin, so another Midwest brewery there tonight. This one's pretty good, kind of a... Reminds me a little bit of cinnamon rolls or baking spices or something. A nice little spicy rye. It's one of the things that we hear frequently from people when they're asking about homeschooling is how do you go about a day of homeschooling uh, if you have a, a baby at home or a toddler at home or maybe you just have kids that are spread out over various different ages like we do. Uh, we've got our oldest going into high school, a couple in junior high, one in the middle of elementary school. And one just starting kindergarten. So we've been through all those phases. Um, going from just having a, a couple of kids that weren't doing school with one starting school to um, being all spread out where we are now and everything in between. So, uh, Stephanie, what are your thoughts? Let's start with, uh, let's start with uh, hey, I've got a baby or I've got a toddler at home. Maybe those are different too. They are very different. So I noticed when our fifth child was born that our school days started taking a lot longer. And I thought part of it is just that we're getting into upper elementary with the oldest. So uh, that makes sense that things are taking longer. She has a little more work to do. But it just seemed so sudden. And so I, I started recording what I did every day just in 15-minute in increments, like, what did I do the last 15 minutes? Well, I threw in a load of laundry and I uh, changed a diaper and we read a book and and I just went on and on. And I was able to then go back at the end of the day and say, oh, wow, I spent two hours changing diapers and feeding the baby and trying to get the baby back to sleep and things like that. So babies do take a lot of time, even though they don't, babies aren't a ton of effort. Maybe it's because I've had five, but it <laughs> it seems like. They do take up your time. They're, they're easy, but yeah, they do take up time. Right. And, and when you're trying to focus on something that takes a chunk of time, a chunk of consecutive time, like teaching a lesson plan, it doesn't always work. So what things would you recommend for someone that has, say, a small baby that's not really old enough to participate in the classes do to kind of facilitate, say, maybe um, teaching one or two other kids or, in our case, you know, four other kids? Or, you know, there's families out there that are bigger than, our, than ours, but I think most people that have that question are probably going to be running into it if they have, you know, one or two that are school age and maybe maybe a baby at home. Yeah, so there's lots of different options. Baby wearing uh, is one option. Keeps the baby with you happy while you're doing other things. Making the most of nap times. Uh, okay, the baby's done for a nap, so now we can do science. Um, those sorts of things. Uh, and just spending a lot of time reading. I would, okay, baby's fed, baby needs to go down for a nap. I'm going to sit in the rocking chair and rock the baby while I read you guys a book. Uh, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I think it goes back to that flexibility. You know, if 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 you have the the flexibility in your life or you can you're willing to give yourself the flexibility. I mean, that's the thing too. There's some people that are just very rigid, schedule-driven types of people and if that's you, uh, I I probably can't be as much of help to you um, just because I, that's that's not really how how we operate. We're we're a lot more flexible when we can be. Um, I don't think school starts at the exact same time in our house. Probably any two days of a week, to be honest. No, I mean we're recording this at eleven, and right before we started, our fourteen year old came upstairs with a question about her math that she was in the middle of. Right. <laughs> yeah, and and I've been staying up late trying to trying to get things sorted out with launching the website for for this uh show and just a few other things and we had had family over this weekend uh I, you slept in quite a while this morning i wish i could well, because, have slept in because we were up until 1 a.m right making cannoli, making cannoli with, our with our daughter 11 right? year old yeah so it's just uh anyway getting back onto the the point if you're somebody that's very schedule driven and you and you can't be flexible i i don't have probably very good advice for you, I'm afraid. But if you can accept a little bit of flexibility and say, okay, you know what, maybe we don't have to do school at 8am, because that's when the baby's always fussing and needing to be fed. Maybe at 930am when the baby goes down for a nap is a great time to dive into one of these subjects that's a lot more hands on. Mm -hmm. And if you have older kids that can help out with watching the younger siblings that's always an option as well yes um you know doing school with kids of several different ages is a completely different thing you can say okay child a come over here and let's do your math while child b you go and read to the toddler and child c you know you can sing a song to the baby or what whatever you need to do so before we jump into that, kind of how you deal with with multiple kids that are in the midst of schooling, what about toddlers? Because you're saying toddlers are a little bit different. Obviously, they maybe don't require as much attention at times, and other oh, no, times no. they toddlers, require a lot more. Toddlers demand attention. Right. I guess what I'm saying is there the are time. certain things they're able to do for themselves, but they, right. they often want attention more of the time. Yes. Um, start the day whatever time that is, with your toddler or preschooler. Um, If they feel like they've started the day with your undivided attention, they will be much happier going to play by themselves when you need to help the older kids with things. Um, In the middle of helping older kids with things, uh, I would often... So one of our kids was like really needy for a phase, and so I'd be trying to do math with an older kid, and uh, he just wouldn't leave us alone and uh so so hey hey how about you go find me five of your hot wheels cars can you bring me five of them you know and okay he'll he'll go away for a couple minutes and then come back okay can you count them good good job counting them and it's sort like, of okay. school but it's more busy work right. just keep them entertained hey, right let's let's uh line your cars up in one big line hey let's make two short lines how about how about you bring me all of your blue cars? Can you do you know what blue is? Go find all the blue ones. Uh, you can do things that are quasi educational and and still, I mean, they are. But it, that's not really it's not really the point though. It's just right. giving them. It's something. not it's not formal school. It's 
you know, a little bit of teaching, counting colors, etc. But something to keep them the busy, busy long enough rather than go find a toy. It's like, okay, go find a toy and here's some purpose. Another thing that's worked well for us is just giving, well, this still works for our almost six-year-old, is giving him a spray bottle full of water and a microfiber cloth and telling him to wash the sliding door or the back door. And he will he will do that for 10, 15 minutes. And sometimes if the weather's nice, he'll go outside and clean the outside. And it gets it marginally cleaner, but again, it's just something that keeps him entertained. Bubble baths used to work for him too. Our, oh, yeah. our school, our, we school at the kitchen table and the bathroom is just one wall away. So I'd leave the door open so I could hear him. As long as I could hear him, I knew he was fine because kids in the bath are noisy. So <laughs> I would run a great big bubble bath and let him play in the bubble bath while the older kids would do school. Yeah. I think another thing that we tried with some of the kids when we first started homeschooling was getting some toys, some some preschool age toys that were special school time toys. So I think we had some foam, like some foam shape, like mm-hmm. the puzzle things where the letters snap into the pictures or the little uh, pegs that go in the holes. Shapes, colors, pattern toys. Yeah. Something and- that's a little educational, but, but that... But that is special because it only comes out a certain time of day. Right. Yeah. And it wouldn't have to even be, again, necessarily something that's explicitly educational. It's kind of nice because so, it's it's getting them used to this is learning time. But it's something that is special that only comes out for school time so that they're occupied with that a little bit more and not bothering all the other kids. One thing that our kids really liked was something called Magic Desktop. Now, as an IT person, I had access to some old laptops at my previous job, and I fixed them up for the kids for Christmas a few years ago. But I didn't really want to give them all laptops that they could just do whatever they wanted to, especially not the boys, as they were, I suppose Oliver was about three at the time. So what I did was I purchased a product called Magic Desktop, and what that is, is it's a collection of curated apps and games and even has a web browser and an email client that's kind of all locked down. So they can only do things that are age appropriate or things that you want to allow them to do from the computer. So you can give them access to other things on the computer, but most of it is just stuff like art games or you know little, little games online or some of them are, are built into the, the computer. And it locks down access to Windows so they can't go and mess everything else up. So it's a nice, safe environment that is just protected from from them being able to get in and mess everything else up. So I know they really like that. Uh, Another nice feature about that was that you could set timers so they couldn't be on their computers all day long. Yeah, they have some additional things in there too that we never really use, but you can say, you know, they could earn some little coins for doing some of the more educational games and then spend them doing some of the more just for fun games. But yeah, the timer thing was was always kind of nice because if you just wanted to say, hey, you get an hour on weekdays and maybe you get, you know, four hours on weekends or whatever it is, that would kind of self-manage. Obviously, you'd have to get in there and, you know, Maybe override it once in a while if one of the kids left their computer on. Or I think maybe one of the kids found a little loophole where they could reboot it or something and, and reset their timer. But long story short, it was a pretty good way to, to give them some games that were um, educational and fun, but didn't harm the computer at the same time. 
um, if you're doing a very worksheet-based curriculum, print off extra worksheets for the toddlers and preschoolers. They don't have to even be able to write. Just, yeah, just hand them a, crayons. Hand them a piece of paper and a crayon as long as the paper looks like everyone else's. Uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's going to de- just kind of depend on your your toddler's personality. If there's somebody that just wants to be doing what everybody else is doing, that works great. You know, snacks can go a little a little ways towards keeping them occupied. The point is, yes. the point is something that's going to keep them occupied. That's kind of special during that time. Is the biggest thing you can do. Um, if they still take naps, you can kind of incorporate some of those same suggestions from the babies of doing some of those more hands-on, more intense subjects with the kids, uh, the other kids, while the toddler's taking a nap. Or 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 something like that, you know, where where the child's already occupied. But but again, not not every toddler or preschool age kid is is taking naps still really is gonna kind of vary, but hopefully there's a few suggestions there. For for lower elementary ages also, I like to do any extended readings during breakfast, lunch, or snack time. So they're all around the table and they have their hands busy and their mouths full. So they're not talking constantly while I'm trying to read something. Yeah, I think that is a good spot to jump back to what we were talking about a little bit before we kind of step back to talk about the toddlers. After we're talking about the babies, you were mentioning having kids in different grade levels. And in our case, again, we've got a span from just into high school to just into kindergarten with a total of of five in there. So it it works out sometimes that we can do certain things together, and obviously there's there's certain things that you can't. Right. The skill subjects like math and reading, each person is at a completely different level, and you need to do what is the next thing for each individual child. So that actually takes up the most time in my day because I have five of them. I have to do reading five times and math five times, so that <laughs> takes a lot of time. Uh, whereas the content subjects like geography and history and science can all be done together, uh, including, you know, kindergartner through upper elementary and middle school. Okay, guys, we're going to talk about this science concept today and do an experiment. And uh, the little kids love to help, and you expect greater understanding from the older kids. Tell me back what you learned. Write about what you learned. So how can you how can you do that with uh, a subject as you were calling it, um, what did you say not skills based but content, content based where it's not really it doesn't really necessarily build on something you've you've learned previously that you have to master first it's just hey we're covering this particular thing maybe it's uh, you know the fall of Rome or something like that mm-hmm. some some historical concept how how can you cover that with kids that are, you know, span across several years? Um, I like to find a variety of books uh, that will hold interest for a variety of ages. So I might give um, some kids a little more advanced reading, other other stories we could read all together. Uh, I'd find documentaries or things like that where... uh, you know, I'd maybe expect more from the older kids and the little kids are welcome to pay attention and learn along with us. And if they get bored and want to go do something else, that's totally fine too. But they f- feel like they can be involved in it. 
for example, we were learning uh, states and capitals last year, and we're learning countries of the world this year. And the five-year-old loves to be a part of that, uh, whether it's playing memory with states and capitals. He can barely read, but he's actually by sight sort yeah. of figured out we had what that some of them look like. We've had that, we had that whiteboard, and he went through those pretty well. And even the flashcards that just had the outlines, I was pretty impressed at you know, four and a half, five years old, he was knocking some of those out. And that was just kind of from being around the other kids kids doing, you know, you mentioned documentaries too. That's one of those things where sometimes you hear documentaries and some people kind of feel like, Oh, these are all dry, boring, kind of tedious things. And some of the things I remember from watching in school, they can be, but there are also a lot of good documentaries out there that are pretty fun to watch. I know some of the ones you guys were watching about, uh, Europe were, were almost like a, like a travel show, you know, it was really sort of the, Hey, here's some of the off the, the beaten path things. And here's some of the history behind it. And I, you know, I, I know sometimes when I was working from the other room, I'd, I'd pass through to get a refill on coffee or something and, and stop and find myself standing there for five minutes, just kind of watching along with it because they're really pretty good. And things like obviously Amazon has a lot of documentaries. There's probably some on Netflix. We don't, we don't watch too many on there. I know no, Amazon's got a good selection, and and Curiosity Stream is really a, an affordable option if you're looking for documentaries, and that's that's exclusively kind of documentary and learning type things, and it, that covers a lot of subjects, and there's a lot of things in there that are are interesting and fun to watch, you know, not just a, a boring bullet point type of summary. I will I will usually do a little bit of documentary searching if we're going to watch one, and. There have been times I started one and the kids are like, oh, this is terrible. Okay, okay, let me find a better one. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, that's, the again, the flexibility thing, right? You can you can move on if something doesn't work. Yeah. But th- the point is that's something that a lot of times, because it's a, a video, you know, it's something, sometimes the kids will say, the younger kids will stay a little bit more engaged with that. It's a way to incorporate things that you can do all together. And even if, like you were saying, even if kids aren't, really ready for all the material that's being covered with, you know, say science or, or history or one of those things, they can often pick up bits and pieces of, of what's in there. They get exposure. Yeah. And then they get a little bit of exposure to it. The other thing I think you can do, you can look for, you know, if you're picking out some curriculum for a subject, you can look for a curriculum that intentionally runs in a cycle. I know, the history course that you've used with a lot of kids, My Father's World, it, as the name implies, you may have guessed, has a, a bit of a Christian worldview built into it, but it goes in, what is it, a four-year cycle? It's a five-year cycle, one year of geography followed by four years of history, and then the year of geography repeats again. Right, so one child who started that uh, when they were in kindergarten or first grade or whatever, five years, and oh, it starts in third grade in this case. So it starts in third grade, then five years later, they're they're re- repeating it, but they're doing more uh, intense uh, additional supplemental materials yes. and things like that. They might have uh, a book. I think actually some of our school materials for our, our high schooler just came in and you had things like like the Odyssey or the Iliad or something in there. Yes. Whereas beforehand, it was just maybe learning some stories about ancient Greece or something. Yes, yes. Um, but on that 
that reminds me of the note about how the younger kids pay attention because a couple of years ago, the older kids were learning about uh, the Battle of Troy and uh, ancient Greek and Roman myths and things. And the my nine-year-old was probably a first grader at the time. So one wasn't expected to really learn much, but was welcome to participate. And I remember the kids playing in the pool and uh, one of the girls says to him, hey, come sit on the bottom of the pool with us. And he yells, get away from me, you sirens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, he was paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and with that too, especially when there's something like reading uh, you could, you know, you've had the the older kids sometimes read to the younger kids, and that that gives you some some space as well to kind of take care of maybe one of the one of the middle kids that needs help with with a subject, and you know that they make sure the oldest kid gets through the material, and it makes sure that the youngest kid stays um, a little bit out of trouble, things like that. Yeah, I've, it, sometimes the the struggling readers are a little bit uncomfortable reading to the bigger kids or with the bigger kids in the room, but feel less self-conscious reading to the ones who can't read yet. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure if there's anything else you want to cover in there. Maybe wrap it up a little bit shorter. Do you have any other tips for people that are trying to school with, with young kids or a mix of kids? Um, give yourself grace. And give them grace and be flexible. You're going to hear us say that flexible and word a lot. <laughs> You're going to hear us say the F word a lot. That's have, not what I mean. Have a lot of snacks handy for them and the good chocolate in your closet for you. There we go. That's <laughs> that's the ultimate trip. Ultimate <laughs> tip. Maybe we should just re-record that last little bit. I'll cut that out. So do you have any other tips for families that are trying to school with young kids that might be getting in the way or with a mix of kids? Just uh, give yourself a lot of grace and have some flexibility and keep a lot of good snacks on hand and keep the good chocolate in your closet for when you need it. Right. You're going to hear us say flexibility over and over again. Can't emphasize that enough. The more flexible you're able to be, the easier homeschooling is going to be for you. So, well, thanks for tuning in for episode number three. You can find the show notes on our website, livinglifefuller.com. And we'll see you back here next time for episode four.